Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of TI Talks. I'm Ricky, and today I am joined by my wonderful, esteemed colleague, Nicole. Hello. And today we're going to be discussing a few news stories of the week, including a leaked deepfake audio of Mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, which he quotes as saying almost caused a serious disorder. As well as that, we'll be joined later on in the episode by Naomi Iwusu, CEO and co-founder of Tikaru, a live blogging platform that allows news outlets to publish continuous live updates of breaking news. But she thinks that outlets might be under threat. So we'll be talking about deep fakes in the year of elections with Naomi later. But first, we're going to start off by talking about a story that Nicole wrote about how AI might be used to help people with substance abuse kick the habit. Nicole, tell us all about it. I would love to. So I interviewed Alexandria Day, who's the founder of MetaBrain Labs. It's a startup that's yet to be FDA approved. Essentially, it looks like a headset that can actually measure your brain waves and an app. How they work together is that you talk to a chatbot and the chatbot can actually tell whether you're lying or not. So with substance abuse and also mental health, it kind of works in a similar way to CBT therapy discovering a person's triggers and nipping them in the bud and kind of rewiring your brain to no longer fall for the triggers. Alexandria Day says it's much more resilient because it can actually tell when you're lying, whereas a therapist might not be able to figure that out. So it's much more efficient in getting those triggers and finding them. Anecdotally, she said it's it's worked, that people that have addictions to drugs have come out of it no longer addicted and actually they she says that they don't think about the drugs anymore how long do they uh, monitor people for post using the stuff do you know did you speak about that so far they have data on golfers because that's what their initial trial was to increase confidence in golfers and maybe find what it is that they're doing wrong and the app will ask them what do you think you're doing wrong they will say and it will they come back and say, no, I don't think that is it. And I don't think you believe that's it either. And then they'll, they'll find it. And then they can go into their next golfing trip, knowing what they're doing wrong. And apparently, according to their stats, it's been working. Basically, what I'm hearing is that like golfers in general are just a bunch of fibbers and liars. <laughs> yeah. And the AI is coming for them. You know, I think it's long overdue that somebody cracked down on lying in golf. It's really been a problem for a long time and no one's been speaking about it. No. And so what 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 do you think is are the implications for this? I mean, we're talking about maybe potentially helping people kick substance abuse habits or um, even, you know, cognitive um, mental health issues. What 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 is their long game here? Like, what, what was the vibe that you got from them that they were intending to do in, with this technology in the future? To be clear, this is just to help with recovery. It's medication and other things involved as well. So this is this is just another it's digital transformation of therapy in a way. But also, sort of people uh, unfortunately suffering with mental health and drug addiction and something like this where you can just get a headset and an app on your phone uh, to kick off uh, overcoming these illnesses is, is a good start. Can you use this headset to catch your cheating line husband? <laughs> it sounds like it. Maybe to move on to the next story, a very tenuous link here, but what if we could use this headset on politicians? 
How could that change the future of elections in this country, do you think, Nicole? Maybe we should sit here, Sama, Rishi Sunak, if it's him, down on a chair and interrogate them. On the subject of elections, um, in this year of elections, obviously, as we know, there's so many elections happening all over the world, more this year than ever has happened in one year in history. Uh, one such election happening this year is the London mayoral election, as well as the UK general elections. But London Mayor Sadiq Khan is obviously going to be contesting his spot later on this year, I believe in May. Um, and one thing that might complicate his efforts is this new wave of, I guess, more advanced deep fake technology. Uh, and we saw an example of that recently when uh, he spoke to a BBC podcast about how a recent leaked audio uh, deep fake of his voice almost caused some, quote, severe disorder. Nicole, what say you? I recently wrote about deep fakes and their, their threat on elections. And um, it seems to be that other people are quite worried about this. General idea is that we need to up regulation on deep fakes. So it's actually something that Sadiq Khan says because he was annoyed that this person that's made the deep fake has got, gotten away with it, even though he thinks that it could have caused serious disorder, as he said. It's almost the same as Donald Trump being taken to court over the January 6th riots, um, because you could create a deep fake video that could anger such a huge group of people to do something like that if there's something that wasn't true. And actually our colleague Gary Corbin spoke to Nelson Mandela's great-grandson and he believes that a deep fake video could cause a civil war in some countries in Africa where there's quite a lot of tension. It's not really far-fetched at all. Like, it's quite frightening, I would say, that, you know, kind of anybody with, with an internet connection can create something that could cause such catastrophic results in terms of not just swaying elections, but also, you know, physical violence, potentially. Exactly. Especially given this is a year with so many elections happening, it's like, you just don't really know what to expect because a lot of a lot of the countries where the elections are happening are countries that have, like, maybe a history of, uh, you know, internet blackouts or, you know, mobile network shutdowns and the government in power controlling the conversation online but at the same time do you think that deepfakes they're quite easy to identify perhaps i think not the audio ones i think video ones there's probably still the technology isn't perfect yet to the point where you could there's probably still some like telltale signs like some giveaway signs so with the audio ones it's like almost impossible to tell it's, i thought this elite calm one wasn't that believable really it was quite in a way, robotic, and there was quite there's some turns of phrase that I didn't think sounded like Yeah, him. but the thing is, it's not just about how um, accurate or precise the technology is itself, because it's the people that are receiving it. And if somebody really wants to believe that Sadiq Khan said those things, it's not a huge stretch that they would just kind of ignore their, their better judgment because it feeds into their narratives. Uh, speaking of deep fakes and misinformation, we are now going to be joined by Naomi Arusu, CEO and founder of Tikaru. Nicole, please join me in welcoming Naomi to our esteemed panel. Hi, Naomi. Hi, Naomi. How are you? Hi, I'm great. Hi, Ricky. Great to be here. Um, so how easy do you think audiences could identify deep fake? I think people 
just need to know that there are images that are not real. I don't think that everybody's aware of this. I mean, we're working in this business, so we know that and we're aware of that. But if people just share content or share images or videos, they might not know that this was created by artificial intelligence. If you were to make a guess, for example, about like, you know, the percentage of like how many people um, are aware of deepfakes and like how many people aren't, what do you think the ratio is? Is it like majority of people, do you think? Yes, I definitely think it's a majority because uh, you don't go on social media to um, uh, uh, get like deep insights. For most people, it's just skipping time. And if you just see an image and you would just have a reaction to it and then you might forward it. And I don't think that if you're not working in the field of um, media or journalism, you will reflect on was that like a real image or was that a fake image? So you would just be on, ah, new kind, new new type of information. I think uh, my followers or my friends would be interested in it and you would just forward it. So I think um, uh, uh, audiences consume very unconsciously. And that's why I think the majority does not realize that these are fake images. You run a, a live blogging platform. So what kind of threat do deep fakes pose to you and your platform? And what kind of... Uh mechanisms do you employ to, to try and uh, get around them? So we provide a tool where um, uh, journalists and media houses have the opportunity to create live stories and um, they put it on their website. So actually um, we provide a tool where curated content is presented to the audience and from our side uh, we need to make sure or our, our partners like um, press agencies and also media houses need to make sure that uh, um, journalists can do their job and distinguish between fake and, and, and real information or objective information as they do every day. But also what I really like about our tool and how the journalists are working with it or the editors are working with it, they, they're reporting while the story unfolds. They are trying to be very authentic with our tool. I also think it's totally okay to um, to be honest and to say, I don't know what's going on. That's just what I heard. I'm still trying to confirm from the former journalist because I think that's what people expect these days because they also have like a lot of sources. And it's as soon as the confirmation comes in by the press agency or by various sources like objective sources following a journalistic codex, the journalist can write, okay, it is confirmed. This is what happened. And we even have like commenting tools where the audience can react and can say, um, okay, but we heard that, or did you consider that? And you can, you can, as a journalist, react to that. And I think that's just a very um, accurate, authentic way to consume news. And I think it's also um, a way that audiences these days expect, especially um, younger audiences. I mean, they know we're living in a world of anti-heroes. Nobody's perfect. So don't try to be perfect. I think... That's, that's, a, that's a really important point uh, that will build authenticity and that builds trust and credibility. So we spoke a little bit about how London Mayor Sadiq Khan had to debunk his own deepfake audio on X. Do you think news outlets have a critical role, uh, especially in this year of elections? Free press and journalism is one of the pillars of democracy, which is really challenged in a lot of countries right now because of trust issues, news fatigue, and, and, and all these um, things and these studies that have been released about that. I really think it's, um, uh, it's about gaining back that trust 
to to battle like all the the misinformation that comes in i think three points are very important so the first one is is education education as i mentioned before like educating your readers hey please take care what you consume what you forward this is what happens maybe also uh give examples like uh, uh the story that that just recently happened with mr khan and 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 just you know talk about it and be transparent about it uh, and i also think that engagement is really important for example as i mentioned before the live blogs using comments just giving the people a chance to um, ask questions if they do not understand something uh during COVID, um a lot of people were concerned about the vaccines here in germany and the public station they made a live blog where they invited experts and and, and doctors um, just to answer questions in this format. So people could ask, could tell, tell, uh, ask questions about their concerns and uh, experts, doctors, and, and scientists w- would answer to them. People feel like, or audiences feel like, okay, my concerns are being heard. The, the, the newspaper or the public station is reacting to them. I feel like um, I have a voice. I think that's also very, very important. And then I also mentioned the authenticity. So as I said before, no one's perfect. Just be transparent about it. And I also think that helps to gain trust. And if we have this trust back, then I think it's harder for um, uh, conspiracy sites and, and, and people uh, that want to uh, influence certain groups to, um, to get into that void <laughs> that we currently have, that void of, of information and also the, 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 the mistrust. Um, because uh, people have like a strong uh, relationship to the pillars of democracy, which is um, yeah free press and journalism. Do you think it's going to get worse before it gets better? Do you foresee the technology uh, from the, the 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 good players catching up in time? I think it, we will have a lot of content going around, like an insane amount of content of, of deepfake images, deepfake videos and audios. So I think it's it's really up to the media what, what they make of the situation. I think uh, we should really be aware of that. And uh, things I mentioned before, like uh, labeling content, I think this comes at the exact right time. And I also think it's so important to talk about these, um, these, these things. So it's important to write articles about them make discussion groups um it's a threat it definitely is a threat and um i think we should yeah get to work now <laughs> what's the situation around cyber threats and like um you know breaches of data etc on news outlets what do you see happening there um so there are a lot of threats also in germany uh, clients have been affected uh, and have been taken out of business for several days so what they have also with us, they use fallback systems. So immediately when their site goes down because of an attack, they can go to a fallback system and all the traffic is redirected to a live blog where they can post updates, for example. In terms of prevention, uh, what we do here also is like educate our, our workforce, our staff members on um, how to um, uh, deal with like phishing mails and stuff like that. Also double opt-in is a total standard and also hiring companies that evaluate your system and, and look for the for the uh, weak points so that you know them before others do is, 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 is standard. So 
that's that's standard, but you can be taken out anytime. There's always this this gap that 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 the people fight, but then you should not go down. But um, you should you you should have like a fallback system because again, there if there's nothing, you leave um, room for conspiracy and um, uh, information that that can be filled in by by sources that are trying to influence certain processes. Um, and I guess just to wrap things up then, do you have any kind of like positive words or any kind of like uh, hope uh, for the situation as a whole? <laughs> yes, I, I'm very positive about the whole situation because um, I think that um, we are totally aware of those threats. And also uh, from, from my perspective, um, I, 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 I visit a lot of conferences and I talk to a lot of journalists, everyone is aware of that. And everyone is really um, trying to fuel the dialogue in the, in the society. So I think what has been going on the last couple of years was like more a top-down approach in journalism. I give you the story, believe it. What everyone sees and what everyone is aware of is that people are not believing it anymore. So they're engaging with their audiences. They're looking at what what are your what what are your concerns? What stories do you want to read? So, um, what do you think about my stuff? They're they're using more and more formats like our live blog, but also uh, videos, podcasts, or social media's discussion groups. So we have like a variety of formats that are all very engaging, uh, engaging with the audience, and that are fueling the dialogue. And I think um, I, I think this this huge like top down uh, um, top down approach. Where you have like this 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 distance audience and and journalist or media house, it's it's closing now, and I'm very positive about that, and I think that we can make it in time for the elections. <laughs> Great. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for your time, Naomi. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Come back anytime if any any other news happens that you want to talk about. Yeah, will do. So have a great time. <laughs> okay, thank you. Thanks, bye. <laughs> thank you, bye. Well, on that note, that is all for, from us today at Tech Informed for this episode of TI Talks. Nicole, how do you feel like it went? I think it was great. It's actually really interesting to hear about how news outlets can up their game when in terms of deep fakes. I think maybe we're leaving it too much to the social media giants and we should take it on ourselves. So on that note... Uh... Goodbye, everyone, and thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. But until then, stay informed. Bye. Bye.